Papanew.com in Omaha, Nebraska, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Contraman Ali of Contraman.com in Mission Viejo, California, special co-host John St. Germain of JohnStGermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee. This week, we'll be joined by two special guests from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Deacon Millet of FourAlters.org in the high deserts of California, bringing us today's topic on the very new book, uh, the Crystal Silence, uh, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League. Afterwards, they'll take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or rework as divine and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Conjurman Ali and John St. Germain. Conjurman Ali. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Papa Newt. Um, as you can all hear, I'm not uh, Miss Cat. Uh, we are having a very interesting uh, episode of the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour. Boy, do we have a treat for you today. Uh, we are shifting hats a little bit. Miss Cat is going to be joining us as a guest, followed with uh, Deacon Millet, one of our fan favorite uh, members of AIR, who have joined us on the radio show before to talk about their latest release. So we're going to get to that in just a moment. Just a brief update. We'll check in with John St. Germain in just a minute. Uh, excited about this this show, to be honest with you. Um, whenever we have an opportunity to talk about books and, and upcoming releases, uh, I'm, I'm a giddy like a school kid <laughs> or a kid on Christmas as a bibliophile myself. Fittingly enough, I've actually begun my yearly, whenever spring comes around, I do a yearly cleaning, a very deep spiritual cleaning of the house uh, for uh, those that follow the Middle Eastern traditions, especially in uh, Persian at world. Uh, it's now rose. It's literally the new, called the new year. And so uh, my family has put up the kind of new year tables known as the Afsin. This is seven things that uh, start with the letter C, including vinegar and eggs and uh, garlic and the sweets and candies and whatnot. And in my house, I've been doing a deep, deep spiritual cleaning. And that has involved trying to take all the books that have somehow made their way onto next to my bedside and put them back up off the shelves. But as I do that, I'm sitting there, oh, I'm still reading this. Maybe I'll keep this. And, oh, I still have to use this <laughs> for this particular research. So I'll, I'll set this one aside too. So it has not been as successful as putting the books back 
uh, on the shelves, but the spiritual cleansing is complete. Uh, at least most of it is. There's some final uh, candles and incense I'm going to be doing this week. So that's what I've been up to. Lots of kind of deep spiritual cleansing. Uh, the apartment smells great and fantastic and energetically feels really good. So that's where I'm at. Um, let's check in with uh, John St. Germain. How have you been? Welcome. Glad to have you back as a uh, guest of the show. Our guest oh. host, I should say. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me as guest host. Um, we're, we're doing really well here. Uh, finally, the floods have stopped. And we have sunshine and spring is here. And um, with all the water and all the sun now, everything is growing crazy. Uh, you know, it's like uh, someone's waved a magic wand and all the flowers and grass and trees have sprouted. Uh, it, it's great. Um, of course, everybody forgets that in April we get a snow. We get a freeze in the snow. Everybody always forgets that. It's like April Fools. Here's your snow. Um, so we always we, we always get that here. So it's it's wonderful. And um, we um, um, we're just really having a good time with that. And uh, uh, mostly what we're doing is trying to survive the Mercury retrograde, mm-hmm. which has been a, a very bad one and uh, yeah. the most uh, strange and grotesque things occur. Um, during this one, and uh, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but um, my clients have been calling me with stuff that, um, that, that has just been grotesque. And maybe we'll do a show next week about Mercury retrograde and how to survive it again because uh, we did that once before. Yeah, and because uh, this has been a bad one, I don't know about the rest of you, but man, this has been a oh, bad yeah. one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely been a weird one, but it's almost over, which is the good news. It's almost know? over. It's almost over. But, yeah. Yeah, always looking forward to the end of Mercury and retrograde. I always tell people that it's it 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 teaches you how to surf life's difficulties. <laughs> you just gotta you've just got to learn to to kind of go with the flow. Things are gonna break down. Computers are gonna not work. You know, communication's gonna fall apart. It's just it is what uh, it is. Um, and so yeah, and I, everything's I'm, reversible. I'm, and everything is reversible, yeah. Any of the damage <laughs> that happens during Mercury and retrograde can be dealt with. That's the good news. It's not as dire as people make it out to be, but, man, is it an awkward several several weeks. It sure <laughs> is. Everything that I, happens uh, in the retrograde is usually going to reverse at the end of it. You know, people come back. People apologize. The damage is usually uh, reversed. It's, it's like mm-hmm. the uh, um, a bad joke, you know, that, Suddenly, everybody's embarrassed, and they say, I, "I don't know what happened, but you know, I'm sorry about that." It's like, okay, you know, everything's forgiven. Yeah, no, and, uh, I, I, uh, I, uh, I feel you there, and it's so, so true. But the good news is, like you said, it's reversible, and it's coming to an end soon. All right, let's bring oh, on yes. our our guest today. I'm very excited about this. We have an opportunity to talk to. Uh, authors, that's not always the case. You often just buy a book and you never really know who's behind it, what the thinking is. But the, the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour has really kind of made a concerted effort to bring the people who are writing books onto the show so that we have an opportunity to talk to them about both the, the, the kind of what they're releasing, their thoughts behind it, the process, a peek behind the curtain. So this is a real wonderful treat. So uh, I'm happy to welcome Ms. Kat and Deacon Millet, both who are joining us to talk about the secrets of the Crystal Silence League. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. So glad you could take some time to chat about this. Well, thank you for having us. Uh, absolutely. Very happy to be here. It was a 
money. And it's wonderful for us to appear as a team because, at least to me, it brings back memories of decades gone by. Um, (laughs) Deacon Millett and I have functioned as a team uh, for many, many years, first in the comic book industry and then Mm. in metaphysical publishing. And we have spent many, many years getting books ready for the San Diego Comic Con or whatever it may be to have them debut at the right time. And this was a real throwback for me. I don't know. How do you feel about it, Deacon Millett? Oh, absolutely feel the same. And more so because this book is so beautifully image heavy. Um, and, yeah. you know, we, we, work, we worked together for so long um, in comics. And that mm. combination, you know, from comic books to the web, that combination of words and pictures um, has always been something that um, we have had in common and enjoyed doing together. So this book in particular, um, I, I think, hit the sweet spot for me. Yeah, mm. and I do, have to, I do have to jump in and say that the last time that you and I worked together on a book was in 2014 on Hoodoo Food. And that also right. ended up with more illustrations than those. <laughs> so, but this book, let's let's just let's just dive right into it. Yeah. Um, those of you, those of you who have um, known about uh, Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, which is now member of the much larger umbrella organization, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, which has, oh, half a dozen churches in it, including Miss Michael's uh, 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 Aunt Caroline Dye Memorial Chapel, and she's in the chat room right now. Hi, Miss Michael. Um, there is a, a tradition in our um, in our New Thought and Spiritualist churches of working with crystal balls and mm-hmm. we published in uh, 2011 a reprint of a very 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 rare booklet that was put out by Claude Alexander Conlon mm, on a a, yeah a personal lessons and code to the crystal silence league we then debuted a crystal silence league website which i hope someone is going to post the url for i think it's crystalsilenceleague.org or, or .com and um, we we paid a, a programmer to put up a software that would allow people to post their prayers as a prayer chain or prayer link. And in 2013, Deacon Millett, now I worked on the 2011 uh, book, and then in 2013, Deacon Millett uh, put together a reprint of another of uh, Claude Alexander Conlon's mm. booklets called Crystal Gazing. But... That booklet was actually an abridged version of a much bigger book that he had put out called Crystal Gazing, but we just didn't have room to put it in a little pamphlet. So well, we didn't now, quite know either. We yes, it, well, I had, uh, yeah, I had copies of both of them, but I had mm-hmm. not done a word-for-word comparison. And when I did, I went, oh, my God, it's the same book. One is just three chapters and the other is ten chapters. But I had both books in my possession. So we ended up with, um, well, what I call shuffling two decks of cards together. We had the book of personal lessons and codes at the Crystal Silence League. And then we had the Crystal Gazing book. And then we just went, and it turned into one 96-page book with um, an opportunity to put in 
some of the most beautiful illustrations. Now, John St. Germain had previously, and John, you know this, had previously done a book for us called Crystal Magic. And in that book, our book illustrator, Gray Townsend, had put together a composite of a bunch of pictures of people holding crystal balls that I had in my collection of pictures of people holding crystal balls, most of which were from catalogs that sold crystal balls, and some of which were from books. So they were all kind of put together just to show, uh, you know, sort of a sampling of people holding crystal balls, and it was sort of a fun thing, that showing that crystal balls were for sale widely throughout the 20th century. However, when we had this new book, we had the opportunity to put in full-page yellows, half-page yellows, quarter-page yellows, and we dug down through, Nagashiva and I, Townsend, dug down through my collection, and we came up with dozens and dozens and dozens of illos, some of them similar to the ones that were in Crystal Magic. Some of them had appeared in Legends of Incense, mm. Urban Oil Magic. Many of them had never appeared in print in any of our books, and uh, we put them in. So now we have, as Deacon Mellet said, a book that is two, two, two books in one, plus an entire graphic um, array, a really unique graphic array of antique art of people with crystal wow. balls. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, a question for both of you, and this is a very, we're going to start at the basics of the rudimentary. I'm a person, I'm speaking on behalf of, of our listeners. Not all our listeners know what we say, when, what we mean when we say crystal gazing or crystal magic. Ah, yes. Uh, well, so, see, I assume right, so, these books, yeah, I assume these books right, have been out right. since 2011, and everyone's right, going to go, oh, it's a reprint. But you're right, no. there are people listening now who have no idea exactly. what we're talking about. Exactly. Back so up, what, what, right. is it, what, do you, what do you mean when you say crystal gazing or what is the role of crystals in new thought what is kind of the system that claude alexander is presenting and developing here ah well i'm going to really quick quickly just jump into it um i'm going to actually say that um john st germain should probably talk about this because he has taken on the role uh, that Alexander once had. He is now the voice of the Crystal Silence League, which is why he's the guest host here. But um, but just briefly, there are four branches of crystal gazing. There's mm-hmm. uh, crystal gazing to see the future, crystal amancy. There's crystal gazing to receive messages that others send to you. Mm-hmm. There's crystal gazing which is called the receptive branch. There's crystal gazing to send messages. Many hoodoo practitioners know the idea of using a skull candle to send Mm -hmm. messages to a person. Mm -hmm. Well, crystal ball, you can send all kinds of messages, and you can send them to many people at once. And that's called the projective branch or silent influence. And the fourth branch is transformational, which is what we would call self-help, self-work, self-development. Those are the four branches. But I'd like to hear, actually, myself stop and hear uh, John St. Germain talk a little bit about who Alexander was and why his system of crystal gazing is so yeah. important. Well, who who was Alexander? That in itself is a very interesting question. He, he, uh, <laughs> he is... Uh, uh, there's Alexander the man and Alexander the legend and Alexander the person of speculation. Um, um, we we know that he was a uh, uh, an adventurer uh, at one point. We know he was in Alaska. Um, 
at one point seeking his treasure. He was involved with the Soapy Smith gang. Um, we know that um, he at one time was one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid, vaudeville performer uh, doing his uh, crystal gazing uh, demonstration. And uh, where he learned these techniques, um, we don't know. Uh, a lot of these uh, meditation and new thought and uh, crystal gazing techniques appear to have been gleaned from uh, Tibetan yoga, mm -hmm. and uh, which had been brought to the country, uh, America, mm. um, uh, by... Um, quite popular at that time through uh, the theosophist Madame Blavatsky um, and others, uh, although uh, Tibetan Buddhism had been uh, brought to the West you know, for centuries by uh, many people, um, it had been uh, seen a revival uh, around that time, and many of the secret doctrines, like the manuscript of the, the secret seal and the Tibetan so-called, you know, the Bardo Thoral, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, had been made uh, available. Uh, but many of his techniques, almost uh, word for word, uh, in fact, in some of his writings, seem to come from Tibetan yoga and the idea of uh, projecting thought waves from the teacher to the student. For example, mm. uh, I talked about that in Crystal Magic. In fact, I was I was quite uh, taken by it when I was reading uh, the Real Inner Secrets of Psychology. How much of it seemed to have been? That's uh, let me just break in. The Real Inner Secrets of Psychology is another book, a five-volume book that Claude Alexander Conlon, this stage magician who became a psychic reader and teacher, that he wrote. So go ahead. Right, and he said in an interview that he gathered notes for that for over 25 years before he wrote it um, in an interview. And um, there, there's actually a sixth volume uh, that a lot of people know about called Secrets of Oriental Wisdom. And mm -hmm. uh, in one of the volumes of uh, Inner Secrets of Psychology, is called Sex Magic, um, or Secrets of Sex Magic. And uh, a lot of that is uh, a lot like tantric yoga. So apparently he had some... Uh, teaching or some exposure to some uh, very esoteric tantric and Tibetan yogic practices. And uh, we know from his private life that he was uh, sexually adventurous. So mm -hmm. was, was he a sex magician? Maybe, you know, maybe. I, 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 I tend to think he was. And one of the things in this new book that we've just put out, there's a section where he where he mentions he does not recommend that people be chased. In other words, he's, mm. he's saying, he's saying mm -hmm. no, 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 I'm not, you know, this is the 1920s, right? And the usual um, uh, spiritual people would say, oh, no, no, you must abstain from sex. And he's like saying, no, no, I'm not saying that. This is our great vitality. This is our great life force. You must use it. <laughs> so he was right. he was marching to a different drummer. Right. Nor does he say you should indulge too uh, profligately with it either. Right. He, uh, yeah, it, it's right. a very much middle sexual, way. Right, very much. Uh, be disciplined in your indulgencies, as he called it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. this is a very... Um, enigmatic man, and um, so in the uh, nine to ten years that he was on the stage, he amassed a great amount of money, and was a very successful performer from relative obscurity to the most famous and highest paid entertainer uh, in vaudeville, some say. He he became uh, well known, uh, 
the friends of many of the celebrities and politicians of his time and retired and uh, um, started his publishing house where he published uh, books on New Thought and Spirituality and did a remarkable thing. New Thought was coming into the public eye, uh, very popular, and he did a remarkable thing. He took many of the techniques, and this was a stroke of genius, um, many of the techniques of New Thought because uh, projection and reception was known to New Thought, healing, the idea of healing, mm -hmm. the thought cure of uh, Dr. Uh, Phineas Quimby, the idea of thought cure, that by changing thinking you can change uh, behavior, but also that you can heal other people by going into the mm -hmm. silence and uh, and healing them. But uh, Mr. Collin discovered that by the use of the crystal ball, you could amplify these techniques a hundredfold mm -hmm. or a thousandfold, depending on the power of the um, practitioner, and that was his stroke of genius. That using um, he he talked about in some of his writings how he uh, heard stories from people who had been to India, for instance, and how some of the yogins were concentrating on colored crystals before they did these uh, miraculous things. And he didn't dismiss mm. these as many people did as uh, fairy tales, you know, or um, um, uh, second-hand accounts, he looked into it very seriously and uh, practiced on his own and discovered these techniques really worked. And this is, I think, when he found that he very, very scientifically and analytically um, uh, reduced this to four the four branches, the four categories of crystal gazing, the visionary branch, which everybody knows about, the you know seership, where you look into the crystal and you see um, events from the past, present, or future. Uh, the receptive branch, where you receive influences from, either from spirit or from helpers. And these helpers could be living helpers uh, nearby. They could be spiritual helpers. Um, uh, and the projective branch, which is silent influence, where you can send other people uh, messages of help. You can influence their actions, or you can command them to do things that you want them to do. Um, or the transformative branch, which is healing, and this is um, a self-help branch, but it's also you can help other people. Um, mm. You can heal other people from from a distance, from any distance. Time, space, distance um, do, do not apply in any of these techniques. Um, and that was his stroke of genius, that with the aid of the crystal ball, um, you can um, uh, make time and space uh, irrelevant and yeah. amplify well, these techniques. I'd like, to, I'd like to get into a couple of other sure. things. When mm -hmm. Alexander uh, retired, he was only 47 years old. He retired mm -hmm. a multimillionaire. He was the personal psychic reader to many Hollywood stars at the time. He lived a relatively humble life in Los Angeles. He owned his own home, and he married his his wife. He was married to a woman who had been his assistant in his magic stage act. There had also mm -hmm. been a two young classically ballet-trained dancers who were twins, uh, the Johnson twins, who went on stage as the Nartel twins. And um, 
they put on this beautiful act. It was very, very uh, sexy and suggestive in which these two twin girls would dance dressed in diaphanous veils. His wife would also dance sort of as the directress of these two younger girls. And then this crystal ball would be given him, and he would answer questions from the audience. He absolutely stunned people. He wore oriental robes. He wore a turban with jewels on it and a feather. When he retired from this, this image was not forgotten. And so many pictures and many people who sold crystal balls used pictures of him. They might have drawn him with a beard. They might have drawn him with a mustache. But he, Alexander, was the archetype at that point of what it was to be a crystal gazer because he was so well known. There was another shape or form of what a crystal gazer was like, which is a man in a tuxedo. Right, and this was the more Western idea that Westerners can can um, do this. There's one full page illa we have, which was a man in a tuxedo, with Arabic mosques on one side and the skyscrapers of New York on the other side. The man between two worlds, and so crystal gazing was was thought of as something that was domestic. I mean, people like um, uh, Dr. Jordan, you know, in in you know, an African-American root worker practitioner had a crystal ball and used it. Um, you can read about it in the book about him, a celebrated Dr. Jim Jordan. But um, the other image of the, what people call the Swami, or the guy with, he wasn't really always appearing as a Hindu Swami. He sometimes wore Turkish costumes. He wore, um, uh, some, sometimes you'll see elements of Chinese material he was these were theatrical costumes and so the idea of the person with the turban being the swami being the crystal gazer was something from left over from his stage act but him personally after he retired from the stage he never donned those costumes at all he sold the entire stage act to a man named robert nelson in columbus ohio and the pieces of the stage act were parceled out and other magicians bought his tools and equipment and his props and his costumes until nowadays uh, the um david copperfield has most of that stuff in a museum he's been buying it up so that the man who was claude conlon claude alexander conlon and the man who was alexander the man who knows separated and when they separated um he was never seen in those costumes again. He's seen wearing a fishing, fisherman's cap. He liked to go hunting and fishing. He mm. went down to the Santa Monica Pier and would go fishing at 5.30 in the morning. He was an old farm boy from South Dakota. And mm. so there's a he, he lived a double life. His stage life was mm. one thing. And then when he was done with it, he really just um, worked as a spiritualist psychic reader. And it's interesting you say that because uh, for a lot of people who are coming at this from 21st century, they've just started getting into something like hoodoo, the idea of someone being a stage magician or someone uh, taking mm-hmm. on the title of a swami or, mm-hmm. or, or that, that, that crystal gazing has something to do with science, this is all new to them. And it, it's in, in really, uh, you know, it comes from a place of being unfamiliar with new thought because new thought does kind of blend all of it together. There's a component, as uh, John St. Germain noticed, there's a component of drawing from, quote, unquote, the East, right? A lot of Buddhism, a lot of Hinduism, a lot of Tantra, a lot of yogic practices make its way over there. I mean, it's a whole... There's the whole movement, the theosophic movement that draws heavily on these. There's an element of science, right? These are viewed as 
you know, when you talk about psychism and the, the kind of mental powers of crystal gazing, you talk about mental tubes, you talk about mental fluids, there's this whole kind of language of, of, of early 20th century science that, that shows its way in there. But also that there is, you know, the psychic, I work for clients bit, and I do this stage magic bit. They're not seen as entirely separate. They blend itself together. And I think Claude Alexander is really kind of a perfect representation of that. He, you know, he brings all of that together in, in his crystal work. So people shouldn't, you know, be too surprised that he was, he, you know, he was a Swami character on stage, and then he also had a client. There wasn't, it wasn't seen as a sort of, um, you know, oh, he was a charlatan. He was faking his magical work. In reality, he was just some stage magician. No, it was all seen as a skill, and a skill that you developed over several, uh, you know, over a period of time, and that you can then de- demonstrate that skill. Plenty of kind of new thought, early psychic, occult uh, figures also had stage presences and did stage magic uh, or stage presentations of psychic phenomenon uh, for, for clients. Now, I want to ask both you, you and Deacon Miller, uh, and both of you, please jump in here. Uh, when people purchase this book, what are they going to get? You mentioned it's two books in one, but what specifically can they learn? Are they going to find a regiment of how to develop psychic ability? Are they going to find a way of working with crystals? What is it that they will get by purchasing this book? Well, let me just briefly get into it, and then I'm going to let Deacon Millet talk too. But they're going to have, because of the way we interleaved these two books, mm-hmm. what we have is um, an introduction and then um, a, a series of chapters on the visionary brands, how to use crystal gazing to see distant things, to see the future, um, and also how to meditate uh, with the crystal and how to um, go into the silence, which was his term for what we might call deep meditation. He even uses, and this would be of interest to you, John, he even uses the word liberation. You could have knocked knock me over a feather when I saw liberation. You know, that's a yes. technical term um, from Buddhism, and it was just sort of like, and there, and there it is. So he knew what he was. He, he, that's the visionary branch. Then we're going to get into the um, receptive branch. This was what he did for his clients. He was an old farm boy, as I said, used to getting up right at crack of dawn, and he had a big crystal ball, and he'd sit there at the crystal ball, and people would send him postcards. In his books, there were these little tear-out sheets, and you would say what you needed. You know, I'm sick and can't get well, or I'm depressed, or, um, you know, the crop was bad this year and I need some help with money. You know, whatever it was, whatever you needed, you'd send that to him. No charge. He would get up all of those papers, and there were photos of him with, you know, bags and bags, those big canvas bags that the mail used to come in when it was delivered Mm -hmm. to the post office. Whole bags of mail would be delivered to him. So he was there with a crystal ball with all of these papers under and around it. And he promised people, I will get up at six by six in the morning, I'll have my coffee and I'm gonna be praying for you. And he would just read these prayers and and pray for people and send out his projections. That requires mm. them to receive. And so the receptive branch is what he called the codes. These are what we would now call memes or mnemonics or mantras or um, repetitive internal dialogue, monologue phrases. He would say things like, I see you filled with joy and receive happiness. And then they would, you know, that would be their, they would receive it. Okay? 
Then the mm. tech section, and this book is fascinating. That part of the book is, is amazing because it really is the most new thought part of the book. Then the next part is yes. the silent influence. This is where it becomes a little strangely occult. So this is about how you can look at somebody from, you know, in the, in, you know, behind the back of their head and cause them to mm-hmm. turn around and look at you. And we yeah. have all well, tried this, and many of us Atkinson, have succeeded. Atkinson has almost the same exact uh, technique, look behind at their head and make them turn around. Yes, yes. So silent influence gets into that, and it also gets into other, what I would call social techniques, for instance, I'm going to give you one that he gave, which is beautifully fascinating. When you shake their hand, you first should notice what their handshake feels like. Are they weak or strong? How you're going to act with them is going to be based on their handshake. But then when the handshake is through, he says, you don't let go when they do. You hold it just long enough to silently say amen, and then you let go. And this is where you put your wish your desire, your command, your request, your demand, whatever it is, into their hand. And there's a lot of other techniques. It's really a a fascinating look at social science and at um, metaphysical science. And then the last one, the transformative branch, Mm. is about self-work. Are you shy? Are you afraid? Um, you know, do you have bad habits that you need to get rid of? And these are basically um, instructions for how to rid yourself of the negative and emphasize the positive and transform your life. That section is more like what modern people would remember in The uh, the Secret, the book and the movie The Secret. It's, a, it's new thought, just straight up new thought. You can do it, and here's mm-hmm. how. So that's it. Now, Deacon Millett, um, was also responsible for the working on this book. And I'd like you to say, Deacon Millen, why do you think this book is still relevant to modern people? Well, I think we see it being used around us all the time. If anything, the the new thought ideas of how to manipulate reality um They've never been more practiced. They've never been more in your face. Um, we we live in a world where um, data has ceased to really matter, and people are busy projecting their views of the world, um, and very potently at that, um, to a point that some people are finding it quite bewildering. Um, One thing I love about this book is that it shows how to strengthen um, your own power of thought um, so that you're not just sitting there as an empty vessel Mm. for the internet and TV to fill up. Um, it's, It's a practice, and it's not necessarily an easy practice. It's an easy practice to begin, but it definitely is about developing the will and strengthening um, on, a, on a daily basis your ability to focus, to decide what you're going to place your thought and attention on, and to decide what you're not going to place your thought and attention on. And in that way, I think that's hugely important right now more than at any other time. We're, we, we have so much information just pouring into us that these techniques have never been more valuable. And that he was, 
he's so ahead um, of his time in that regard. This is it, 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 he always was, but um, yeah, it's very it, it's relevant. Like Al- yeah, it's like Alexander saw what was going to to happen and wrote out his personal lessons on how to adapt yourself and strengthen yourself. And they're very, you know, it, it, you know, you mentioned the the sex part um, and the chastity parts. I love the the diet parts, um, which are just to me very very interesting and funny. And of course, there's breath exercises and things as well that have always been a part of meditation. But um, mm. I I'm shocked at how. Um, as I went through it several times, um, each time I read it, I noticed something new, um, and I noticed something applicable. And um, so I that's, think people are going to be know, very happy true. with it. It's you know I'm an antiquarian, and there's this idea you know gee is this just another antiquarian project I'm working on? But actually, mm-hmm. this book is super tight. I mean, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it the things in it are, they're 100% right on for today. I mean, it's 100 years later. Yeah. These are really valuable techniques. I also want to throw in something about William Walker Atkinson. Yeah, well, so, I, I love that guy. <laughs> so let's just, let's just mention William Walker Atkinson. So... Um, we ask, how did, and this is the mystery that Ali mentioned, how did Claude Alexander Conlon, the farm boy who went to the Klondike, who yeah. joined the Sophie Smith gang, which if people don't know is a gang of card sharps, and this is probably where he started to learn magic tricks from these card sharps. He joined the Sophie Smith gang. He, they, Sophie Smith was killed. He fled. And the next thing you know, he's on stage doing a performance that he has more or less copied from a very famous female performer named Anna Eva Fay. And Mm -hmm. he and his wife are doing this stage act on vaudeville, you know. Um, And then all of a sudden there's a a, a pause. He divorces that wife. He remarries. And all of a sudden he's got this entire other stage act, which is so elaborate and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's when he begins to write about um, this meditative things and other, I mean, it's a whole new chapter in his life. I believe that at some point he met or was influenced by a man named William Walker Atkinson. Yeah. Now, Atkinson, Atkinson was a lawyer and he was from Philadelphia and he had gone to Chicago in 1892 to the Chicago World's Fair at which was hosted something called the World's Congress of Religions. And people from all around the world who had different various religions showed up there and gave lectures, very much in the Victorian style, lectures about their religions. And this is where many people were first introduced in America to Asian religions. They were all, mm-hmm. all of them were represented. But Hinduism and Buddhism in particular made a big impact. And William Walker Atkinson was so taken with this, he moved to Chicago he became mm-hmm. involved in New Thought and Spiritualism. He maintained his um, license as a lawyer all his life, but he began to write books. And we've talked about him before. He wrote books under a number of pseudonyms. He was a very prolific writer, very quick writer, and he would just turn out these books, and they were beautifully typeset, and some of them were on yoga. And 
given the tenor of the times, he wouldn't sign those books William Walker Atkinson because people would say, well, how could a, a guy named William Walker Atkinson know anything about yoga? You have to be have an, an Asian name. So he used pseudonyms, and one of his pseudonyms was Swami Panchadasi. Another pseudonym was Swami Bhaktavashita. And he also wrote about um, hypnotism, which was very popular and had come over from France via Mesmer. Mm -hmm. So he used a French pseudonym to write those books, Theron Q. Dumont. And then he also wrote his own books as William Walker Atkinson. I believe that he hooked up with Claude Alexander Conlon at some point. I know they were hooked up toward the end of Atkinson's life, but I think they hooked up fairly early on. The, um, The... Works that um, that Alexander wrote show the influence of Atkinson, and Atkinson um, moved to Santa Monica at toward the not at the end of his life, but toward the end of his life, and lived right in proximity to Alexander. And Alexander not only sold crystal balls as a little sideline, but mm. he, and his own books, but Alexander also offered for sale the entire line of William Walker Atkinson books under the various pseudonyms. Uh, yeah. So they yeah. knew each yeah. other. And when Atkinson died, and I have copies of these books, when Atkinson died, Alexander pasted a picture of his own face on the front of his face and said, all of these books in the book list in the back, in the catalog in the back, are now available from me, Claude Alexander Conlon, with his address on Oxford Street in L.A. Uh, interesting. So, so when, when, when Atkinson died, Alexander got his book, his entire warehouse of unsold books. So there was a connection, and that may be, more than even theosophy, that may be how Alexander was introduced to Asian thought and Asian techniques of meditation and yoga. That's my belief. That, that, no, that makes okay. perfect sense, because as, as we, I noted earlier, there are techniques in uh, Claude Alexander's uh, work that are found also in William Walker Atkinson's book and there's it's almost as if they were you know I, I didn't know that there was a connection I thought that it was maybe these practices were more prevalent amongst the new thought people and uh, they had developed them because there are like there's some that you go oh wait a minute I've read this before where have I read this before no there's an actual <laughs> smoking gun there's a smoking yeah, gun a smoking and that gun. is this little <laughs> yeah 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 no they they were absolutely connected now Holly yeah. Mojo Girl protests in the chat room she said this is all over my head and she has a kind of a little shruggy um, emoticon um, well <laughs> Well, the, I'm sorry. We've gone. We've gotten. We're riding our hobby horse. <laughs> Let's go back to what we're talking about. Um, the thing is, there. It, it's this really odd question. How did this? We'll never know. How did this guy end up boy. with all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. It, but this guy ended up with all of this knowledge, and quit his job as the best-paid vaudeville person in the United States. Mm quit his job at the age of 47 and says, I'm just going to sit here and teach yoga, <laughs> which he did. <laughs> yeah, which he did. Yeah. And go and, and start And start a spiritual organization where people pray for each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's, a, there's yeah. this kind of moment where you go, was he faking it? No, no. He actually did this for the entire rest of his life. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, and uh, he lived it's, to be in his 80s. Yeah, yeah, no, he did not die young, <laughs> and he died. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, he was he was uh, he died on the operating table. Basically, he had an ulcer. In those days, they couldn't cure ulcers with antibiotics, so they were going to do a little uh, excision of the ulcer, and they didn't tie off the the, the little arteries correctly, and he bled out. 
And um, so he was healthy when he died. I mean, the guy really did live a yeah. long life. Um, so I I just have to say he fascinates. You, you can find out a lot about him. People will claim that he was a murderer. And, in fact, he did kill somebody. Um, there's a newspaper article. Uh, he was he performed in theaters, and they would pay you off in cash, and then you'd have to go home to your hotel with all these wads of cash. And a street mugger attacked him, and he pulled out his pistol, which all theatrical people at that time carried. Yeah. Yeah. And he shot the guy dead. And he yeah. was acquitted. It was self-defense. So, yes, he did kill somebody. But, you know, he wasn't a murderer, you know. Yeah, um, and I think hmm. here we should we should point out here is as fascinating as Claude Alexander is, and as oh, fascinating yeah. as his life is, the the average person, if you're not interested in Claude Alexander the person, uh, that's not the reason to buy these books or the reason to 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 be introduced to these books or to work with the system. The the reason is even if you have no fascination like like Cat I Deacon Miller and John Saint Germain do in the sort of history <laughs> personality and biography here. If, if you're not, a, in some ways, you're not interested in that portion of it, that's fine. What, what these books represent is a system, a system of working with prayer, with thought, with crystals. And you might go, what does it have anything to do with hoodoo? Well, let me tell you, the number of clients that I get that ask me, well, how do I pray? I tell them, okay, here's this, what you do, and you do this prayer, and they go, I don't know how to pray, because they didn't grow up in a spiritualist tradition. They don't grow up in a Protestant tradition or Baptist tradition or in Pentecost or whatever. They don't know what I mean, how to pray. Well, this system teaches you how to pray in some regards. It's new thought, the ability to transfer thought, the ability to project thought, the ability to receive are all forms of prayer, all forms of developing that sort of internal science, if you will, that is part of hoodoo. How do you direct your thoughts? How do you direct your, your emotions, your desire, your intention? That's all something that you can develop using this book. Now, you can use the book entirely as its own separate system, how to work with crystals, how to develop its own, you know, how to do projection, how to receive, how to transform. You can do it entirely separate, but you can also blend it. How to light a candle. You light a candle and how to project your thought there. You, we talked about crystal balls. Those methods can also be used with skull candles. You're doing love work. You're doing money work. You're doing work to draw or influence. This book could really help you develop the sort of internal side. Once you've got yes. the, the kind of practical, here, this is how you light a candle. These are where the herbs are. The internal side of it can be developed with this book. Wouldn't you agree with that? I absolutely agree. And this is the important part. When I write books on spellcasting, and others do too, we often assume that the practitioner is going to have the internal wherewithal to do it. We say, yeah. you know, you put put John the Conqueror root and Queen Elizabeth root, and you're going to tie them up with some a red string, and you're going to run and you put them in a bag. And I, and everyone goes, okay, I did that, nothing happened. And the reason is right. that they don't understand that there's an internal work. But when writing right. spell books, grimoires almost never – I mean, even the no. oldest grimoires will say, call upon the name of God, such and such. And you're going, what? You know, yeah. there's, a, there's a whole part to the inner work that is so mm-hmm. overlooked. This book is about the inner work. And he also talks about – the use of the crystal ball for concentration. Now, it's not the only form of concentration. I was taught, for instance, by a woman who had a background in theosophy to use a candle flame for concentration. But he used the crystal, and it's very good. Now, I'm going to give a shout-out to Miss Michael, 
because when Miss Michael was introduced to this material years ago, back, back we're going back to 2011 now, and uh, maybe even earlier, she came up with the idea of the candle flame and the crystal ball, and mm. she 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 posted a photo of it. And I went, oh my god, that's so brilliant! And she also talked about um, using colored. Um, glass to change the colors of your crystal ball. In other mm. words, you can put mm-hmm. arrange colors. Now we all have these color systems and symbolisms in our heads. You know, uh, blue is peace, pale blue, and and uh, green is money, and so forth. Um, Claude Conlon recognized that these systems exist. I mean, those are part of the esoteric system that we inherited from our forebears, both in hoodoo and in ceremonial magic occultism, and and they're. They're well-known, and they're based on natural principles. Um, I mean, you know, yellow and orange are flame colored, so mm-hmm. uh, it's flames. You know, I mean, it's not as if you, you had to sit down and think, what color will I, assi- what will I assign the color orange to? Um, it's, it's flickering, it's flame, you know. So um, these ideas are fairly universal. They're not completely universal. Some people have different colors. Different cultures might have different colors, but he used a pretty standard system. So, but what he did was show you how you could work with this and prepare yourself. And mm. it's this is something that, again, when we talk about hoodoo, and we do a lot, when we talk about hoodoo, we, we talk about the folk magic of African-American people. But by 1920s, the Great Northern Migration was underway, and many of the practitioners of hoodoo were already moving north and living in cities. They were buying books on esoteric topics, meditation, and so forth. Um, They were part of the wider, broader occult field, even though segregation kept the folk magical aspects of hoodoo somewhat separate. The aspirational hoodooists all were familiar with the sixth and seventh books of Moses, the Key of Solomon, and mm-hmm. books like Claude Conlon's book are part of that movement toward a wider metaphysical embrace mm-hmm. of hoodoo. Mm-hmm. And so you have people like Jim Jordan mm-hmm. down in um, in you know in the South uh, reading a crystal ball for his African American clients, even as early as. Uh, about 1921, and it and it this was noted upon because he was a Baptist. What's a Baptist doing reading a crystal ball? But he did, mm-hmm. and so when we and in fact there's a um, a YouTube video showing uh, Dr. Jim Jordan's uh, artifacts. His family is still alive. They've preserved this. Mm-hmm. His crystal ball is shown right there in the YouTube video. So where did he get his crystal ball? Well, his family says he bought these things from Baltimore and from Chicago. Well, yeah, that's that was in other words, he was linked into this wider field of metaphysics. And so this does have yeah. relevance to hoodoo because this is the material that was being distributed into that wider field of literate hoodoo root doctors. Oh yeah, there was a whole era of especially in Chicago, you couldn't find a root doctor that didn't also work with a crystal ball or have a crystal ball. I mean, it was, it was, it was everywhere. And male root doctors in particular in Chicago, 
was my experience. Always had a crystal ball of some sort. So you had this, this connection is very much there. This isn't just, oh, this new thought has no connection to voodoo, or this doesn't really pertain to what I'm going to do with my Queen Elizabeth root or my John McConk root. It does. If you want to understand how to develop the kind of internal side of prayer, focus, concentration, projection, the mental and spiritual components of it, this is what this, this book provides. But the, this leads us to kind of the next question is, the book is called The Secrets of the Crystal Silence, and there's this thing called the Crystal Silence League, right? That is also yes. kind of associated with what Claude Alexander is doing and with this particular book. And we have a, a website and an actual network called the thecrystalsilenceleague.org. We've told clients, hey, you need to seek out the Crystal Silence League. What is the Crystal Silence League for people who are new to this, who don't know what it is, and how does it relate to crystal gazing uh, or crystal work and Claude Alexander? Well, you've, you've hit on something very dear to me. And... Um, Back in the day, you know, as I said, I'm an antiquarian book collector, and I had this little book, Secrets of the Crystal Silence, by by C.A. Conlon. It didn't even say Alexander. It just said by C.A. Conlon. And I researched it, and I realized I had opened the door on this giant room filled with all kinds of strange. And I thought, wow. I began to read about what he was doing and who he was, and it didn't jive because they were talking about his stage performances and I'm like well wait a minute this isn't about stage performances this is for real and so I I built a timeline of him and I I became I guess you could say um seized with or um overtaken by the idea that the Crystal Silence League was even more relevant during the internet age than it had been during the postal mail age because I am notoriously lazy and don't get up early in the morning I stay up late at night, and the idea, it just was exhausting to think of this man getting up and making his coffee and going out to the Santa Monica Pier and fishing for smelt or whatever and coming back and frying his fish and then, you know, then going and gazing the crystal and the sun hasn't even yet come up. I thought, man, this guy has more energy than I can believe. Well, Mm -hmm. I thought with the Internet, we're all, the whole world is round and time keeps on, you know, progressing. And I mm. thought we could make a prayer chain, a prayer league that was only on the Internet. And so that's what we have. You can go to org, post your prayer, and someone will read it in some other time zone, and they will pray for you, and you will receive a message in email saying that someone prayed for you. Oh, wow. That is wonderful. It's, yeah. It's a really a beautiful service. Now, okay, our time is up. I could yeah, talk about this for hours. <laughs> no, we we we've heard the the uh, the Oscar music, as I like to call it. That says, "Wrap it up." wrap yeah. up your speech. So it was lovely having an opportunity to chat with, with both of you about this topic and, and having John Z. Germain's uh, thoughts on this as well. People, please pay attention. Keep your Watch this space and get ready. Uh, you know, I couldn't recommend this book more. I think you, there's something really fruitful here. Now it's our time wait, to Wait, 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 wait. And Dr. Oh, yeah. Shiva says in the chat room, don't forget the Crystal Silence League radio show with John St. Germain yes, every Tuesday right. night. See, folks, Every so Tuesday here. night, 8 o'clock, Every Eastern, Tuesday. 5 o'clock. And the archives, the archives of the Crystal Silence League radio show can be found at the Lucky Mojo Forum, and I'm sure that someone will post the link to that. Um, the, the Every episode. Um, every episode. There's been how many episodes are you up to now? 
179 episodes of the Crystal Silence League radio show in which John St. Germain reads the prayers of people, selected prayers, discusses crystals, in other words, the stones, and teaches techniques of meditation, teaches um, about the history of the New Thought Movement. It's a beautiful show. So you get an opportunity, if you get the book, you have the opportunity to read, and if you tune into the show, you get live advice. You've got both of these that go hand in hand really well together. That is that is yeah, absolutely yeah. fantastic. So let us have uh, Papa Newt come in and lead us on to our next section where we're going to take on some callers and see if we can give them some help. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com and by the Association of Independent Readers and Reworkers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandreworkers.org, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and take our caller, and our caller is a first-time caller calling in from area code 702 in Nevada. This is uh, Melinda. Melinda, are you there? I am here. Hello. Welcome to the show, and thank you for entrusting us with your situation today. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, let's take a look at your information here. I see you have not had any private readings with Ms. Catherine Ali, uh, and uh, you have not gone to any other readers and root workers on this particular situation. Is that correct? That is correct. Thank you. And Melinda writes, will the truth ever come out? And if so, will they will they be punished, or at least will uh, su- superiors finally see me as an honest person and treat me with respect? I have insurance, jealo- uh, insecure, jealous, and hateful coworkers that have caused a lot of trouble for me by attempting to sabotage me at every step for five years. Uh, years ago, when I first started working here, I made no attempt to be a part of their click because I saw they were gossipy troublemakers and I have never shared my business with them for that reason. My first week here sent me home in tears because my immediate coworker yelled at me and told me to stop telling, uh, talking about her. I never said a word about her. This has uh, this has even influenced a romantic prospect against me. Turn it back to you, Conjurement Ali. For uh, that uh, recitation of her situation. Uh, Melinda, I'm going to ask you a couple questions before I, I do your reading. Uh, first, uh, what sign of the Zodiac are you? I am a Taurus. You're a Taurus, okay. Uh, that, that like you guys, right? A lo- yeah, Tauruses, uh, our work situation matters a lot to us. A happy work situation is a happy Taurus, and an unhappy work situation is a very, very unhappy uh, Taurus here. Um, what uh, type of business is this, or what type of work if you don't? You just be general. You don't need to name the company or anything. I work for the city, a government employee. You work for the government. Okay. So what I've done here is I've pulled three cards to see, is the truth going to come out? Uh, are things going to I- improve for you? 
The very first card that I have is the Five of Cups. And the Five of Cups speaks to your emotional state. This is a person who is mourning the loss of spilled goblets. These are three goblets that have spilled their contents, and the person is mourning it. They are unable to see anything else other than the kind of disaster, catastrophe, and spilled milk, if you will, that is before them. It is a situation of sorrow. It's a situation of pain. And it's also one in which um, your circumstances deeply, deeply uh, affect you emotionally. So that's the emotional state. Now, what's interesting about this card is that there are two perfectly good goblets behind this individual, but they don't see them. And the reason they don't is because they're fixated on what's uh, in front of them. And they're facing left, meaning that they're still looking at what is in the past and not quite thinking of the future here. The indication is that the, your current situation isn't going to improve overly much because the circumstances are the way that they are. The goblets have spilled. There's no way of putting that the liquid content back into the goblet. That doesn't mean, however, you can't be happy. It will, however, require for you to turn around and look in a different direction. So what does that mean? And that's revealed in the next card, which is the Queen of Pentacles. Um, you do have an opportunity to be happy, and, and your happiness will be tied very much into your success at work and your success in your career and your success in your kind of financial situation. The Queen of Pentacles, uh, who I always associate with, with Miss Cat in my deck, so uh, Miss Cat was actually going to be doing your, your next reading. Um, is a person who is a self-made woman, a very powerful, earthy woman. That's you, a Taurus, who's sitting on a throne. She has a, uh, a, a coin in her hand, and she's peering into this coin, and around her is the fecundity of nature itself. Um, this indicates that you should be doing some work, perhaps even with crystals, which is interesting that uh, we have uh, this particular topic or panel today, because she's holding that coin in her hand that represents very much a crystal ball, so perhaps some crystal work uh, can help turn things around for you. But it also means that you are only going to truly be happy in an environment where your skills, your uh, abilities are appreciated, in which you're able to grow and build, plant the seeds of your success, you tend to them, and then you harvest it. This is an indication that you're more than likely uh, going to be better off away from this current profession. That's just what this card says. Now, that doesn't mean you have to leave. The final card is the Two of Pentacles. The Two of Pentacles means that you have a choice before you, and you're going to have to make a difficult choice. You have to weigh these out, and until you make that decision of what it is you want to do, you're going to be left in a state of uncertainty. Here we have an individual with two coins in their hand. Yet again, it's a coin card, and they're juggling these coins up and down. They're interconnected with one another, and it's an indication that whatever decision you make, is going to have a deep impact on the rest of your life, a deep impact on your future going forward. Now, what is that decision? It comes down to two things. The cards indicate that this current circumstance cannot stand and, you will, and happiness achieved. If you are hoping for the truth to come out, it won't. If you're hoping for things to get better, it won't. You can, however, decide that you want to stay in this position, and if so, you need to do battle for it. You need to remove the uh, harmful elements. You need to remove the gossipers. You need to remove the people who have talked ill and spoken ill, and you need to you know, bring about justice in your own right. But that is a battle and an uphill battle. The other choice is to walk away, to use root work to 
find the profession that is ideal for you, that is perfect for you, that works for you, and that is where you are able to grow, that you are able to uh, be recognized for all your successes. These are the two options. Neither of them are easy. The two of pentacles indicates that both of them will come with sacrifice, but a decision has to be made. And until that decision is made, you are going to be left in this state of kind of imbalance. But know that based on the cards that I have seen here, you are not going to have a uh, your justice unless you fight for it. You're not going to have victory unless you seriously uh, go to war for it. But the cards indicate you are probably better off elsewhere. That's what I see here. Uh, I'm going to turn this over to our next reader, which I believe is Miss Cap, uh, and then we're going to have some root work recommendation for you afterwards. Okay. Well, thank you. And um, I've also pulled three cards. And um, my cards are a little different than what Ollie got. I'm using the same deck, the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. But what I'm seeing here is a situation of stress. And And as the first thing I see is that what what you have done and what are, what's going on here, that you are really innocent of any wrongdoing. The negativity that's there is there because of the people who are there. But the problem is how can you uh, change them? And I think the answer is it's not going to be very easy. The card I have is called the Eight of Swords, and it shows a woman tied and bound loosely with ropes, and then around her head is a, a, a piece of cloth blindfolding her, and there are swords stabbed into the ground, eight swords stabbed into the ground around her, and she's outside the castle, which represents the social clique, and um, and she is um, she's standing in a ditch of muddy water. This indicates to me that you're a hostage to the situation. Um, you know, a reading doesn't always give a good answer. It's a happy answer. It gives a good answer because it's a truthful answer. But it's not a good answer in that it says, oh, everything will be fine. This does not say everything will be fine. The next card is a card of change, and it's a good card of change. It's called the Wheel of Fortune. And this shows that um, that you may find, if you stay there, that the snakes will fall off the wheel. It's a big wheel, and there's there's a snake just falling off into outer space. And on the other side, there's a a priest um, with a mask of Anubis, or the the dog or jackal or wolf deity of loyalty. And at the top, there's the Sphinx of Justice. It says, if justice comes, it'll be slow at the turn of the wheel. But you may find yourself better understood if you do seek change. Seek an ally, certainly. There are four animals in the four corners, and each of them has a book, and they're reading in the book. The, the true record is seen, but it doesn't say that the truth is going to come out. It says that you may take this as an opportunity to change. Now, if you work for government, you have a guaranteed pension, and there's going to be some, you know, you get rewarded for sticking it out and learning a specialized skill. And then if you go off on your own, seeking what would be better for your personality, you might have a financial hit, and that's hard for a Taurus. So this is kind of goes to the idea of um, be patient. The wheel will turn, but I don't see that the truth will come out. In the end, the Ace of Pentacles is the third card, and this is a card that shows the hand of God holding this giant coin. When you get your retirement or when you get whatever it is you're going to get, you can leave that place and it shows a little garden 
Um, and the path leads out of the garden under a big arch of red roses to the higher mountains. You may need to take the long view of this, that mm. if you're going to stay there, it'll be a while before you leave, but you're just waiting to get your money together. Um, this garden and the other card, the, the Queen of Pentacles, that Ali had indicates that you may have an interest in art, beauty, nature, gardening, music, or dance that is strictly has nothing to do with what you're doing in your job and might be a better fit for you emotionally. But if you have to wait until retirement to get it, you will. But right now, this is the truth will not come out is what I'm seeing. Okay, so that's my reading on it. Wow. Okay. That was fantastic. Thank you for that. Um, let's uh, have John St. Germain come in and give us um, a root work recommendations, and I think uh, we can have Deacon Miller also uh, add his on to John St. Germain. Sure. Now, we're talking about the Crystal Silence League and working with crystals and balls, and I'd like to uh, give a recommendation. First of all, get your hands on a copy of our book, Secrets of the Crystal Silence League, and uh, and learn um, a couple of techniques. And I, there's uh, there's something I'd like to suggest to you. Um, um, one is that there is a uh, uh, terrible stuff going on behind the scenes and um, information that you don't really have that's going to help you with this. There, will the truth come out? Well, you know, as you see, no. And what's working for the government and truth got to do, that's like mutually exclusive. So um, don't even worry about that, but get a clear crystal of any sort. It can be a natural crystal or a little glass ball, and it can be a two-inch ball, and get an amber crystal. And if you have the inclination, get a black crystal and, and learn to work with these. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to give you a little suggestion with it. Um, with the clear crystal, I want you to learn silent influence and influence the um, the person that you see that you need the most justice with and influence them to leave you alone. And your affirmation is uh, you concentrate on them, you visualize what you want them to do, and you say, you say, I'm stronger than you, and you'll do as I say, and you'll leave me alone. The amber crystal is is going to be uh, used for uh, a little more subtle work. This is going to be used to find you another job. You're out, you're, you're, your amber crystal, you're, you're going to seek out your next place. So you say, uh, you're out there, let's find each other. I'm looking for you, you're looking for me, let's find each other. This is going to be for your next job. The black crystal is to get rid of the negativity that's causing you so much tension. Uh, this one, you simply give it your stress. You you imagine the black ball absorbing all your stress. So working with these okay. three crystals will help you. Um, and you'll be the people I've talked to about how to do this. You can listen to my show um, about how to do crystals or read our literature on how to do it. Um, my book Crystal Magic tells you how to do it. This book will tell you how to do it. Um, um, the people who use these techniques notice that there's remarkable changes. Internal states manifest externally. That's the law. That's all I have to say about that. Try okay. it. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So Deacon Millen. Well, I'm I'm I love that as part of, of today's show, but um 
I really feel the need for protection here for you. Um, I would, at this point, I'd almost buy a root worker special size bottle of Fiery Wall of Protection Oil. I think you want it in every bath. I think you want it um, to wear it daily. Um, put these people's names um, in your shoe. Walk on them every day. Put a little salt and pepper in there and keep them under your feet. Um, I would be sprinkling hot foot powder where they would step in it. Um, and, yes, you definitely need to, all the while, be looking for something else. This is not, your heart is is just not up to this um, sort of abuse, and you shouldn't have to take it. Um, rescue yourself immediately um, from this situation. It's no good for you. Okay. Wow. So I, I want to jump in here with a tiny moment, too. Um, so what we've what the readings have said is that the truth will not come out, and we're talking about remediation for you, mm. not for a way to get the truth out. Do you understand what we're saying? Extricating yeah. yourself first and foremost. Yeah. And um, and what Deacon Millett said, rescue yourself, that's the most important thing here. And the, his idea to hotfoot them, send them away, would go with that card I got, the Wheel of Fortune. They may drop off. But if mm. you can't get them to drop off, you have to move on is what it is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, I think a product you should look into is Stop Gossip. Um, and you, you lighting that on candles, uh, if, you, if you're putting them in your shoe, anoint uh, five spot the paper, dab a little bit of stop gossip in the four corners and in the center. All of those would work really, really well to uh, kind of remove, eliminate, and uh, stop them from talking about you while, you know, you're in this process and transition of, of moving on. I also recommend you can lay it out as a powder. Uh, take some stop gossip uh, as a powder. You can mix it with dirt. I actually, if, you, if your floors are carpeted, um, I've sprinkled just a little pinch about uh, of, of powder and rubbing it into the carpet. No one is the wiser, but if your carpets are very light colored or uh, wood, just mix it with a little bit of dirt and sprinkle it around the office so that wherever they walk, uh, they will walk through this and it will stop them from speaking uh, about you. Really good, uh, powerful product uh, that will help in a situation like this because much of the uh, stress, tension, pain, problems that you're dealing with are all coming from the fact that these people are talking. These people are wagging their tongues, and that's what you want to eliminate. That's what you want to, to stop. So stop gossip works really well uh, in a situation like this. You can also take slippery elm, uh, burn it to ash, recite uh, Psalm 91, and then uh, mark your shoes with a cross with that ash. And what Slippery Elm will allow you to do is kind of slip through the gossip without any of it uh, touching you. It's as a, as a way of kind of making gossip roll off of your back, like rainwater, if you will. Uh, so it's really good in a situation like that. That that would be my only kind of further additions. And then, you know, spend the time really focusing on being able to, to move on, being able to find something new uh, that is, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, ideal for you in your situation. Uh, does anyone have okay. any further suggestions? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, recommendations? Can, I, can I ask you, uh, are you a Taurus close to the Gemini uh, cusp? Um, I don't think so. It's May 6th. 
Oh, okay. She's so right in the middle. You're close. Yeah, yeah you're kind of. Okay, so she's you're right close. Smack you're smack in the middle. Right smack in the middle. Okay. Because I was wondering if, it's, if what's driving you crazy is you before you leave, you want to win the argument. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. But that's a okay. thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, very tar. You want to win the argument. You don't want to just say, okay, let it go, let it go. You want to win the argument. Uh, I have been accused of so many things. I mean, yeah. I made a grown man cry, and he had to go home for the day. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that really happened, or that's what you were accused of? Oh, no, that that really happened. The, the man broke down in tears every time. Uh, I do something or say something that he doesn't like, he cries and goes home for the day. Well, honey, you uh, just get away supervisor from like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't want to hear Definitely. all the details, but what I'm, what I'm saying is if, if you use um, slippery elm, as noted, you can also, slippery elm is also edible, and you can brew it into a tea, and um, yeah. you can drink the tea, or you can buy Thayer's slippery elm throat lozenges. You can find them yeah. online, and those are used to put in your mouth so that your own words are slippery and not going to be taken anyway. They're just no one's going to have any kind of feeling about the words you say because they're just very smooth words. Oh, that's good. You can use alum. Alum can be mixed into water. It is to shut them up. You can take their photos and uh, dip them into alum water, which is a supersaturated yeah. solution of water, warm water with alum dissolved in it till it can dissolve no more. Put their photos in it. Their photos will de- decay and disintegrate. That's fine. And you're going to uh, heat that gently on a in, on a fire, you know, and it, the alum crystals will reform as the water evaporates, and their pictures will all be smushled up and pushed into this alum thing. And you can then take that and wrap it up in aluminum foil and put it in your freezer. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, will Alan this work without the uh, powder on the floor? Because anytime I walk in the office, well, that's fine. We're just giving me. you every, honey. We're just giving you every possible okay. thing. As he said, if you Good. have carpet, you know, understand. We we read for hundreds of people every year. Some of them work outdoors in the mud. Some of them work in carpet. We don't know. We're just saying yeah. these are the things that we know. Okay. okay. Some things. Some things. Yeah. Not one is better than another. Not one is yeah. a substitute for another. A combination of these will be useful in your particular situation. You don't have to do every single thing we said, but a combination here. And you know, I think John St. Germain uh, kind of highlighted something. I understand the Torian need to be right and the Torian stubbornness, yeah. uh, the desire to walk away and going, okay, right has been seen here. There's a very strong sense of righteousness there, and I can totally get it. But that's going to hurt you more than it is hurting them. As much as you might think it'll bring you catharsis, it won't. This is just a battle that's not worth it. You're going to be happier elsewhere. Let these people roll around in their filth. filth. Let them roll around in their mess. Let them deal with their bullshit while you move on to something happier, better, and nicer. And in the meantime, use the recommendations that we have given you to protect yourself, to keep your sanity, to help extricate yourself. That is going to be your biggest goal here. Forget these people. As horrible as they are and how unjust they have been, they will have their comeuppance in their own ways. This is an unhappy work environment, and it's not worth sitting out and trying to right every single wrong. That's our recommendation. All the best to you. We've run out of time here. We do thank you for trusting us with your situation, and we all, I think, have a very strong sense that you will be better off in a few in a few bits, in a little bit, if you will. We're going to take a quick break, come back with some network announcements, and then finally, our free spell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays 4 to 5, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our freestyle segment with Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Deacon Millet of FourAltars.org in the high deserts of California. Take it away, Miss Catherine Deacon Millet. All right. Well, we're going to have a free spell for you that's going to be keeping in the theme of the Crystal Silence League. Now, I know some of you are just like, I don't even get this. Where am I going to get a crystal ball? So I would like you to start with that plaything of children, a marble. Get a marble. It could be a clear marble, probably more advantageous than a opaque one for you. So you don't want one of those... Chinese checkers marbles. You want a clear marble. You can go online and find a marble. You can find a marble from down at the dime store. Um, you might have even have a marble in your uh, old childhood toys and things. And I want you to take that marble and you're going to use it as a crystal ball partly to test. You know, you don't need to go out and buy that $150 amethyst crystal ball, right? You're just going to start with a marble and see if, if it works for you. It's the same kind of advice I give to people who want to learn pendulum dowsing. You know, don't don't go buying that gold-plated whatever. Just start with a, a key on a string, you know, or a root, a, a Queen Elizabeth root on a string. Start easy and see if it works for you. So if you have a marble, the first thing you're going to do is to dedicate it to the purpose. So, um, and I like those little marbles with the little bubbles and stuff in them, but that's just me. Um, and you can get the kind with the swirlies in them, whatever you like. And you're going to prepare that marble for your work. So there's a couple of ways you can prepare it. Some people will anoint it with oil. Other people say, ooh, it makes it greasy. And so the most common way to prepare a crystal ball or a marble is with incense. So I'd like to get some psychic vision incense. If you don't have that, you can just take some out of your kitchen cupboard. And you can take some anise seeds and maybe a little bit of dill seeds fennel seeds, anything like that. that are They're, they're all kind of closely related. Um, and you can just burn them on charcoal. But I prefer psychic vision incense because it also has other things in it, like jasmine. So, you know, you, you want to have some jasmine. If you have some jasmine perfume, whatever you're going to do, you're going to make it incense. Uh, you can um, add, for instance, jasmine oil to charcoal briquettes and make your own. Or you can buy um, some of that uh, stick incense from India, like King of king of jasmine incense. It's made with jasmine. So you want one of the psychic vision uh, plants. And you can go to hoodooataglance.com and you can read about the plants that are the most psychic. Um, And you can drop uh, psychic vision oil on charcoal. Durrensburg asks, yes, you can. Mugwort, says Kali Mojo Girl. Of course, I never mention mugwort (laughs) because I'm allergic to it. (laughs) Um, But yes, and wormwood as well. Whatever it is, go to Hoodoo at a Glance. You can you can find them, and uh, you're going to make some smoke. However you do it, you're going to make some smoke, and you're going to hold that marble in that smoke, and you're going to pray. Um, may this small crystal be 
a guide to me in vision, in reception, in sending and projecting my thoughts, and in changing my life, the four branches of crystal gazing. And after you have prepared it, why don't you just sit and hold it. Now, a little marble, you'd hold it between your thumb and your finger. And you're going to sit in a dim room, not brightly lit but not dark, and you're going to look at it, and you're going to try to practice those four things. One of them may come easy. All four of them may come easy. If you want to invest 6 to $20 in a glass ball that's 2 to 3 inches, more, more power to you. Um, in that case, you would hold it in your palm. It's called a palm ball. If you really want to go all out and have a giant crystal ball, you're going to have to set it in your lap like the Queen of Pentacles. In any case, once you've smoked it and prepared it, you're going to start by testing yourself on these four branches, the visionary, the receptive, the projective, and the transformative. When it comes to receptive, people say, how can I get the visionary? Like, can I see my future? You know, see what you see. See if you see visions. But when you come to receptive, people say, how will I know if I'm receiving anything? Well, you'll know because the Crystal Silence League is broadcasting right now. So you would say, is there anyone sending me a message? You could go to the org and post a request. Please, someone send me um, a, a prayer, fulfill the prayer for me of health or joy or whatever it might be, and then say, am I receiving it? And you'll, you'll if, it, if you are good at receiving, mm. you'll know. Okay? So that is just a very simple spell. And seriously, the incense that you smoke it with can be one of so many different types. When you have a crystal ball, after you've used it, you want to cover it. It's not a good idea to leave them open. First of all, they're a magnifying glass and they can set your table on fire. But second of all, you want to keep them you want to keep them shielded until you can put a handkerchief or a piece of cloth over the crystal ball. Deacon Millet, what do you have to add? Well, um, I think that's really amazing and a beautiful piece of work. If you're planning on one of the four branches at a time, um, I'm I'm thinking that for the visionary branch, Chris, um, psychic vision is is a perfect choice. But for the receptive branch, you might want to go for clarity incense. Mm. Mm, uh, yeah. Projected the projected branch, you might want to use compelling incense. And the transformative branch, you would want to go for healing or cleansing incense of some type. Um, also, a lot of people, um, I've been taught, maybe it's just this Mercury retrograde, but um, psychic tools have been getting gross attachments in the last month, and people have been asking me what to do. Um, and you can bathe your crystal overnight in salt water by the light of the moon if you need, if something icky becomes associated with it. Because we want these to be clean. We want them to be um, a, a pure vessel that's very easy for you to project and receive through. Um, so if you wind up receiving something that you didn't want to receive, for instance, um, go ahead and think about purifying your crystal ball um, for future use because you don't want any anything, you know, nasty hanging around. 
Um, mm-hmm. those, are my, those are my only thoughts. I think that this is um, just a beautiful way to, to treat the, the crystal. And that I'm is, huge that's, you're absolutely right. And I, I'm going to say, yes, the, um, you can purify a crystal ball in water or lightly salted water. And I don't mean make it real salty, but just a sprinkle of salt. Right. Yeah. And uh, set it under sunlight if you're going to be using it for outward things and set it under moonlight to dedicate it for inward things. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you both for, for your addition to the free spell. It was such a great time interviewing you both about the about the secrets of the Crystal Silence League. Uh, it was fun having you on as a guest. Thank you also to John St. Germain for stepping into the shoes of the guest co-host. It was fun having all of you around. This was a really good crew, a kind of a different approach to the, to the show than we usually have, uh, a much bigger crowd, but a very fun crowd. Uh, let's have Papa Newt come in and... Uh, lead us out and then we'll come back and say goodbye in a variety of lovely ways thank you Contraman Ali and thank you John St. Germain for being our guest this week our special co-host this week and thank you Miss Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California and Deacon Millet of FourAlters.org in the high deserts of California for being our guest this week we do invite you to join us next week when we will have a special rebroadcast of the show from the back in April which is Sister Girl uh, and we will be returned the following week after with a brand new uh, guest to be with us. Once again, we come to an end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour brought to, uh, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find the Contraman Ali at thecontraman.com in Mission Viejo, California, and John St. Germain at johnstgermain.com in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm your announcer, Papa Newt, joining you from, uh, from papanewt.com in Omaha, Nebraska. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rework Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in our via luckymojo.com slash show.html for all of Lucky Mojo I'd like to say thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz thanks everybody bye thank you Papa Newt Thanks so much. I just want to say that if you all come out to the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, um, you're going to see John St. Germain uh, producing the miracle of a recreation of Alexander's stage act, or part of it. He won't have the dancing Nartel twins or his dance. I, uh, but he will we'll have, have the next Christmas. best thing. <laughs> <laughs> but he will. But at lunch on Saturday, he's going to basically perform Alexander's stage act as we know it and I think that's wonderful and then we're going to of course he's going to lead the book uh, presentation on Sunday thank you all good night thanks everyone bye bye good night bye bye